All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Full Seam Ahead. The Astros own the state of Texas. We had a big series win at home versus the Texas Rangers. Uh, we got Cleveland coming to town this week. We've got all that and more for you guys here today on Full Seam Ahead. We got a great episode for you. Uh, well, let's go ahead and, and get into it. Lorenzo, it feels pretty good to really be able to look out at the great state of Texas and own the shit out of this state, don't you think? Oh, yes. We have owned this state since 2017, I would say, you know, yeah. bringing the state the first World Series champions. And it goes into Houston, Texas, not Arlington, Texas, not Dallas, Texas. Houston, Texas. Yes, sir. And for these guys to continue, you know, to dominate against this team, um, Southern Oklahoma, as we like to call them as well. It's just fascinating. And being able to win these series against Texas, meaning that we're going to get to get that silver boot again. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, coming in, you know, what was it, two years ago that the Rangers tweeted out their warning to the West tweet, you know. My favorite tweet of all. <laughs> And like even this year, I mean, the, this is a team that spends half a billion dollars in what two days in free agency <laughs> between Marcus Simeon and and Corey Seager, and yeah, they're they're you know they're the still laughing. a team. We've, just, we've known them for a while. Yeah, I mean, they are after today. They're what eighteen and twenty-two. I mean, they're four games under five hundred. That puts them a little bit closer to a winning percentage than they've been in a while, but still. This is a team that's not that close at all to really competing for the West. They are still eight games back in the division. Obviously, they would have liked to beat the crap out of them in four straight games. Didn't quite go that way. But the Astros win this series three to one. And overall, I thought it was a solid series from the Strohs. Oh, it was a great series. I mean, yeah. it started with game one, getting that first win, you know, 5-1. And Framber Valdez framberized the shit out of Southern Oklahoma. Yeah. Seven innings pitch, six hits, one earned run, two walks, seven strikeouts for him. I mean, it was a great outing again for the franchise right there and for the offense to back him up as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a great thing to see from these guys. Oh, you know, totally a good debut and again, not debut, but a good series opener. And, you know, we've talked before with Fromber that you never, you never really know what you're going to get mm -hmm. from him sometimes, but this was a, a good, solid, solid start that we needed. Um, made me feel good. And, and it was nice seeing guys uh, up and down the lineup, getting some hits. I mean, Altuve went four for five, um, you know, a nice little four hit night from, from Altuve. Uh, we had RBIs. Diaz was, I think two for four Tucker had an RBI. Maldi coming in clutch with that bases clearing double in the eighth inning to really seal the deal. Overall, it was a solid Friday night win. Yes, it was a great way to win on, I believe it was a Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Maldi coming in clutch. And we've talked about his at-bats. I mean, it's either a strikeout, a walk, a flyout. But this one was a base clearing double in the eighth inning for Presley or – um one of the bullpen pieces to come in and close it out for the boys. And yeah, I mean, it was a great way to see uh, Maldi just being able to hit the ball. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely was. And seeing him, you know, be dangerous uh, is obviously helpful. But while we're talking about this, as mentioned, four hit night for Altuve. Jose Altuve is currently sitting at 1,807 hits, okay, on his career. Uh, this is his, I think, 10th full season. Where are you putting Altuve's hits total at by the time he hangs him up? Do you, do you think he has I, a I, shot at 3,000? I mean, that's all I, I mean. You'd have to see some extreme production in the latter half of his career here. But I don't think it's that far out of the realm of possibility. It is not. It's um, If he's at 1,800 right now, he just needs 11, you know, something to go. And to believe that he only has 1,800 is kind of shocking to me. I thought he would have right. at least – getting close to like that 2000 mark but of course he's has his he's had his injuries as well um he's 30 something years old as well 32. um 32 craig bidget was able to do it in what 19 seasons with yeah. the astros so i don't see altuve hanging them cleats you know in a while i think he's gonna 
I, I want to say he's going to do it until he could get to 3,000 because Miguel Cabrera being, a you know, another Venezuelan reaching that mark, I could see Altuve getting to that as well. So it would be awesome to, you know, stay in the youth Nationals in uniform for him as well. And I don't see him going anywhere unless yeah. Click decides to. But, yeah, now. I think he could get to that mark. I honestly think he can. Yeah, so I mean, what and what the, the bulk of his hits have come between 2014 and 2017. He rattled off four straight seasons with 200 plus hits. Uh, the most coming in 2014, he had 225. I uh, had 216 in 2016. Uh, he's currently on track for 180 hits, assuming he were to stay healthy, play the full season. Um, that would be his most hits since 2017, since that World Series championship series se- uh, season, would definitely be a, a pretty huge, and that would put him pretty close to 2,000 hits. You know, probably looking to make that cross that bridge next year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think 3,000 hits, man. That, that that's a tall task for you know a 32 year old. But if he keeps hitting, I mean, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. No. And honestly, I think he, like I said, I believe he can get to that 3,000 hits. Um, I honestly think he could be in Cooperstown if he could just retire today. But if he gets into that 3,000 hit club, which is an elite, you know, one of the most MLB like elite clubs ever to get in, he's going to be qualified as a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I'm just for now, I'm so grateful every day that I get to watch Jose Altuve play baseball. Oh, yeah. It's funny because, you know, back then we're growing up, it's been, you know, the killer bees with Biggio Bagwell. Yeah. You know, Lance Berkman, the big Puma. And now, you know, we were blessed to see Jose Altuve come to the farm system. And I mean, we're just getting spoiled seeing this guy play every day. So, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I literally love Jose Altuve. Um, me too. Me too. He's the greatest Astro of them all. Book it. I, mm-hmm. I don't care. Uh, anyway, that was just, I was looking at those stats Our today. Little rant. Thought I'd bend your ear. Yeah, go down a little rat path. But anyway, back to this series. Uh, game two, not as fun of a game. Mm-hmm. Lost that game, 0-3. But Christian Javier looked fantastic, I felt like. He, I mean, yeah, he did. Six he innings did really pitch, well. three hits. I mean, it, it felt like it maybe wasn't, you know, as much of a dominant-looking performance. But the stats don't – the line doesn't lie at the end of the day. Only gives up one run over six innings. Gave up three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. Uh, it was definitely the the bounce back game that Javier needed after getting roughed up at Washington last weekend. Um, yeah, pretty encouraging. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we really needed that, and we had talked about it last episode too. You know, is the Christian Javier experiment over? Should we start looking into other options as into starters? Would Jake go to Rizzi hurt? Um, yeah, Christian Javier with the big bounce back game. It just wasn't the best offensive production that we wanted to see from the Astros. I mean, you know, you got to tip your hat to Martin, uh, Martin Perez and going nine innings strong, only allowing eight hits, one walk, yeah, five strikeouts. You know, even though we don't want to give him his props, either even the Texas Rangers themselves. But I mean, I don't know how. I mean, like we talked about it. I mean, that stat of him. Having a two point something now, it's a 1.64 ERA. Whew. I mean, this guy's a veteran now. I mean, he's not even close to being like in his young, you know, mid years. He's a veteran, big, you know, um, old pitcher, not even really old, but I mean, he's up in age basically. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, but for him to dominate the Astros like that and carve them out, I mean, twice whew. now, twice, twice, exactly. He, he is, he's had our number twice now. Uh, that, that was frustrating, and it was a frustrating offensive performance. I mean, yeah, like you said, don't really – you never want to give the other pitcher props, but give him props where it's due. Um, induced mm-hmm. a lot of ground ball. I, I think we grounded in double plays like three times in one game. You know, get we got uh, – there were several – there were multiple opportunities where we got guys on base. I think specifically twice, Brantley got a leadoff single or, a, you know, got on base with one out, and then Bregman grounded in, into a double play twice. Double play. And he mm-hmm. went he went two for four though. Bregman went two for four outside of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But even you know, getting a, those few opportunities, you know, when you're in those pitchers dual type games, you gotta take advantage of those opportunities. And we just we just kept missing those. Uh, and the Astros were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Had a chance there in, in the ninth inning to put a little hurt on. I, I was surprised they let Perez go in for that ninth inning or stay in. He was sitting yeah. there like 106 pitches had got had runners on first and second. 
And I was like, oh, man, they're letting him stay in there. But ended yeah, up was all like, for nothing. It was like on that Nick Pavetta game. He was at 112, I think. Pavetta ended the game, and Martin Perez ended it with uh, 108 pitches. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> back-to-back series with some shutouts. Yeah, with, with complete game shutouts from just okay pitchers. Posing really, pitchers, you yeah. know. And that's that's frustrating, and that's one of those things where like we we're winning now, and the ship feels like it's righted, but there's obviously still some concern about this offense, and I don't know. But notably, you know, I, I don't know. Just it, it was it was a weird it game. Yeah, it, <laughs> we, it was we won game. a sweep, <laughs> but we came out on Saturday on JV Day and got the win that day instead, so it made up for itself. Yes, definitely. I mean, Justin Verlander doing Justin Verlander things. This guy just continues, and we keep preaching and preaching every time we talk about him. I mean, he just continues to dominate. God, I mean, he is not he is not showing that he is an old old guy. I mean, this no. guy is a, he's pitching like a um, like a stud Verlander from back in Detroit. Um, you know, finished the game with six and he's pitched uh, six hits. Eight strikeouts, no walks, no runs, no nothing like that. I mean, it was a great clean game for the old man and finished the game with a 1.22 ERA. So, I mean, JV doing major JV leagues as well. Yes, yeah, so we will get to get to talk about that later in the show. And um, offense wasn't bad. I mean, it, oh, I mean, two runs isn't ideal. Yeah, but I mean, we expect more from him. But I mean, when Justin Verlander's on the mound, Obviously, we know it's going to be a short, you know, game for the opposing team. They're not going to score a lot of runs unless, you right. know, somehow, some way we just throw a bunch of airs and everything like that. But um, shout out to King Tuck. That first inning, God, this guy got a freaking arm. And they just yeah, keep testing him. They keep testing him. We are just all witnessing this man becoming a future Gold Glover, a future MVP, this guy has a bright future in Houston, and hopefully we get to see that extension soon. Yeah, absolutely. And how about Jordan with that triple, man? Uh, he was lumbering. Ooh. He was headed around the bases. <laughs> <laughs> he was just unload the trailer, baby, and let's go. Yeah, let's get that triple bag. Yeah, that was a leadoff triple and couldn't get him in, which that, oh that's Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's oh. – <laughs> And then uh, on that. Jason Castro with a big double off the wall. Came around and scored. Hey, do you know what his batting average is now? What's it sitting at? Over 100. All Our right. Catchers are over All 100 right. on the batting average. Finally. Hell yeah. We got Jason Castro over that little hump. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Jason Castro hitting that ball off the wall. It was great to see him kind of, like, get into that groove of things. I mean, he was hitting the ball pretty hard that night, too. Yeah, he went one for three. I mean, he did strike out. But, I mean, he was making good contact. Um, and then he ended up scoring on that on that wild pitch, and he was he was zooming, bro. He was mm-hmm. now that, that slide, him. that that slide has some competition with Trey yeah. Turner, man. I mean, yeah. that slide did a little three sixty at the end and everything, get a perfect ten score from the judges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was nice. It was nice seeing him be a integral part of a part of a game there. And then, and then coming into yesterday, Astros looking to win the series, and they they do so behind a strong performance with Jose Urquidy. Uh, Urquidy being a guy that's kind of been in that conversation of, you know, especially before Odorizzi's injury, Urquidy was looking like, man, this is the question mark in the rotation. You know, is this who we send to the bullpen? Is this who we look at as a trade piece? Um, But he he quieted the haters today. He had a strong outing, uh, six and two-thirds innings pitch, six hits, only gave up one run walked one batter and he struck out 10 10 strikeouts on jose arquiti today i mean if you would have told me jose arquiti next outing was gonna do 10 strikeouts i would have thought you were crazy because we're just talking last episode about him being in the rotation we were thinking okay it was almost like the same thing with christian javier we're thinking the same thing with arquiti okay what are we gonna do starting pitching wise are we gonna have to look at another option are we gonna have to go into the you know minor league system and look for somebody else I mean, it was question marks with this guy. And, you know, he finally had a great game. Like you said, 10 strikeouts. That's a, I want to say that's a career high for him as well. Yeah, I, but, I believe so. Yeah, but um, Altuve. Altuve doing Altuve guy. things. Lead off home run, George Springer, who and finished this game with two for four with a uh, double. 
Um, interesting stat watching the game as well per AT&T Sportsnet. The Astros as a franchise have 203 leadoff home runs, and that is the second most in MLB since 1962 with the Detroit Tigers. So, I mean, I guess we're known for leadoff home runs from Craig Biggio, George Springer, now Jose Altuve is in that path. So, I mean, it was great to see all around. Yeah, it, it was a it was a good offensive game in general. You know, and we, I mean, how many times have we said it? This team goes the way Altuve does. Uh, he gets things started. I saw big doubles. Uh, Alvarez had a double. Um, Bregman had a double. Bregman went one, one for two with with that double, and he also drew two walks. Bregman's plate discipline is just, just killing it right now. Um, Pena, the kid, two for four with an RBI. It was a solid game. Obviously, you look, this, you look at the stat line, and five doesn't seem like that he big of a number. But when you got a pitcher that's going to keep it close like that, you'll take it. Any crooked letter works. Definitely. And we talked about um, Urquidy being a offense – like the Astros' offense is usually going to help him win the game. Well, the Astros only scored five runs, and Urquidy only allowed one. Yeah. So it was great to see him only allow one run in his outing. And uh, defense helped him a lot too. I mean – Jordan Alvarez uh, had went to go get a ball in left center, and that catch probability, 50%. He was going to catch Ooh. that ball. It was a 50-50, and this man just unload un- the trailer again and just hauled ass to left center close to that um, – into the wall, and he caught – I mean, it was just great to see Jordan. Jordan Alvarez is a really underrated defender. Like, yeah, he no. is really underrated. He And he showed that a couple times this, this weekend. He showed his yeah. defense. Definitely, definitely. And um, in the ninth inning, I mean, oh, it was kind of getting – it was just getting a little little situated. I mean, Blake Taylor puts two on, and then Ryan Presley loads the bases and gives up an RBI, which will go under uh, Blake Taylor's run. However, yeah. we still get the W at the end. Yeah, walked out of it. Got the win. Yep. Got the series. Feeling good. Um, overall, what was your biggest takeaways from this season? And for the series, uh, the, se- the series, yeah, the series. Um, feels great to get another series against Southern Oklahoma. And yeah. the biggest of them all for me was seeing Urquidy get a big bounce back start. That was the biggest thing for me, I thought, coming into this series. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my, my biggest takeaway was obviously it feels good to own Texas, but we needed this series win, you know, coming off that, mm-hmm. that series versus the Red Sox, like we needed to bounce back and taking three out of four from. Not the worst team. I mean, I obviously like to. Yeah, like they're to, not. Yeah, you know, like to shit on Texas, but I mean, they're not the worst <laughs> team. You know, they're and they're somebody who's going to be. They could be in contention for one of those uh, wild card playoff spots if they don't all get taken um, elsewhere. Wow, but you think? I don't know, man. I mean, they they put it. I mean, that that AL is stacked. That AL yeah, is stacked. I mean, I don't know. Man. I mean, it depends on who comes out of the East and how that shakes out. But I mean. Uh-huh. If Marcus Simeon ever shows up, that could be a they could be a dangerous team, you know. They yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they make the right they make the right trades at the deadline. They could be a team that's that's sitting there. I mean, they're only four games under five hundred right now, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's not. I mean, it, besides us and the Angels, I mean, they're the only team out of the West because I, I don't see Seattle really doing much. Obviously, Oakland's not. You look at the AL Central. I mean, God, who knows? You know, Minnesota's <laughs> going to win that division, but. Who knows what else is going to come out of there? It's you know, so like if you look at the teams in the East, if any of them fall off a cliff, Texas could be there. And with the expanded playoffs, you never know. Oh yeah, that's very true. That is very true. Like you said. <laughs> anyway, but uh, speaking of those AL Central teams, we got one of them coming to town for the first time. The Cleveland Guardians will be headed to Minute Maid Park this week. Yeah, not the Indians. No, the Guardians. The Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. Headed to town. The Guardians are 17 and 20. They're in, uh, I think, third place in the AL Central. There's second place in the AL Central. Uh, this is, again, it's a team that's not unlike the Rangers in the fact that they're sitting there just a few games under 500. They've got a couple guys who are hitting the ball really well. They don't have the strongest pitching staff and they have a little bit of dead weight. Um, but this is a team that hopefully the Astros, that hopefully the Astros can handle. Um, kind of what's your first thought when you look at this this Cleveland team this year? Not very bad. Um, 
obviously they still got their, you know, one of the Cy Young Award winners from yeah. uh, 2020 and Shane Bieber. We're not going to think we'll see up. him. He got lit up yesterday. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him in this nope. series, of course. But um, they just find ways to win. I remember one day I was watching them play Toronto, and you expect Toronto just to win. And they were winning 4-1 Toronto. And, I mean, just Cleveland's just – one them te- there's just one of them teams that are just gonna stay with you no matter what. Um, yeah. We saw that with Josh Naylor when he hit that uh, go ahead home run, I believe, against the Chicago White Sox. Um, yeah, he, two, I mean, he, this hit, team, he hit he hit two home runs in the ninth inning or later that game. Yeah, so I mean, this team just never gives up. It's just gonna be the last until that last punch out. Yeah, and uh, the ninth inning. I mean, this team's gonna fight. And we get to see our good old buddy Miles Straw as well. Yeah, we better get him. If we don't get a Miles Straw tribute at Minute Maid tonight, we, we riot. That's our king right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially what he did to New York. Oh, I, I mean, hell yeah. yeah. I, mean, I hope hey, we do. I, hey, he's hitting 246 on the year. Yeah, he's really he is really not bad at a, as a hitter. And no. we used to, you know, ask some Astros Twitter would, you know, give him crap about, oh, why is Miles Straw – you know, in the in the one hole or in the eighth hole, in the ninth hole, he he's not a good hitter. He's not the future of the Astros center fielder job. I mean, we all heard it, but this guy is, is still a defensive gem. Obviously, when you see him on the base path too, and I kid you not, we will see one stolen base at least from this series that Miles Straw is going to do on Martin Maldonado. He is going <laughs> to challenge the machete, and yeah, he, he has not yet to stole a base these past six games when they played so i would not be surprised if he's tried to if he tries to run on the machete yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how that how that runs uh you know machete is pretty pretty vigilant on the pace paths but miles mm-hmm. straw is quite speedy yes very uh but the rest of that the rest of that cleveland lineup they got some guys man they got uh you know they got jose ramirez sitting over there at third base and he's hitting pretty well he's hitting 283 Josh Naylor, like you mentioned, Josh Naylor's hitting 351. Exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a guy right there. And then uh, the biggest snub, this is my this is my first year ever playing fantasy baseball. And in one of my leagues, I was looking to pick up my, my DH or my utility guy. Oh, you got I, you know, to. I know who you're going to talk about. And these blogs, it was like, all right, here's your sleepers. You know, uh, you know, here's the guy. Here's your DH right here. He's going to hit 40 home runs this year. He's just going to be a fantasy machine. And those fantasy experts can kiss my ass because Framil Reyes sucks. This guy's hitting 198 and has hit three home runs this year. Whatever, 40 home <laughs> runs, 285 hitter, whatever. He hadn't done shit this year. Uh, and, of course, that's going to that's, – watch that. That's going to come back and bite me in the ass because then he's going to go off this week. But whatever, man. I wasted a draft pick on him. I drafted him not like too high, but like I, I felt confident in that draft pick. Uh, I thought I was gonna. <laughs> I thought I had a sneaky little steal there, but no, he's hitting. He's hitting one ninety eight and hadn't done much of anything for for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Franimal. I mean, he was good at the time. Actually, he was hitting the ball hard. Yeah, uh, he, he was, if he could a get a hold of one, year. dude. If he could get a hold of one, I mean, that ball is going at least over four fifty every time. <laughs> I kid you not. This guy is strong as hell. No, he's got power. But, but the Josh Naylor one that you're saying he hit over he's hitting over 350 and that is a shocker to me. Yeah. I mean, but we we said with that White Sox series he he just tear the damn ball. Yeah, and he but, yesterday, uh, yesterday on Sunday they played Detroit and he hit another home run. Yeah, so uh, we'll also get to see the starting pitchers and Zach Plesac going in game one. His last start, he lost to the Reds with a six innings pitch, two runs. We get to see Cal Quantrill. He's one and two with a 3.48 ERA, eight runs in his last three starts. Every start he has, you know, started, he's just gave up a, at least a run. So, yeah, hopefully the Astros could torture him. And then Aaron Savelle. Savelle's it just ha- he he just has his days to me. He's two he's two and three with a 7.84 ERA, and his last start was actually his best start. It was yeah. a six and a third, three hits, one earned run uh, versus Detroit. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember like I was telling you that 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 same game that I was telling you about with the Toronto Blue Jays, he was pitching that game and he actually got lit up. Like I said, he got given up four runs, but then he, he found his groove again. Um, but 
the Astros starting pitchers will be Garcia going game one, Framber going game two, and Christian Javier going game three. So here comes our segment of want to see, need to see, and don't want to see. So, Will, how about you start us off with what you want to see in this series? I just kind of want to zoom in here. I know we could say we want to see the pitching dominate, but I really want to see Luis Garcia bounce back. Um, he had he rattled off two straight really good starts uh, during the winning streak, two back-to-back games with – back-to-back starts with nine strikeouts, two uh, winning games and two decisions. And then he got knocked around in, in, in Boston. And in his last start in Boston, he went four innings, gave up five hits, three earned runs, only got four strikeouts. Versus those two those two starts before he combined for twelve innings, seven hits, one run, eighteen strikeouts. So I, you know, we love this kid, super high mm-hmm. on him. Definitely think he has a very bright future with the Houston Astros. But I just want to see him get a real good start tonight. Um, opposite Zach Plesac, pitching at home, and uh, should be real dialed in again. And maybe go back to the that nine strikeout type. Garcia, maybe even hit double digits. Who, who knows, you know? Uh, but I would definitely want to see a strong start out of him. What about you? What do yeah, you want to yeah, see? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go on the offensive side, and our good old friend Alexander Bregman starts to find a group of things. I mean, we've talked about that in my last episode, too, as well, seen and need to see Bregman. Um, I want to see it, though. I want to see it. Uh, today, I mean, yesterday was a great example. He was able to hit a hard line drive his first at bat to the Astros killer, Cole Calhoun. But Calhoun made a great jumping catch at it, um, but finished the line on Sunday with one for two with two walks and an RBI. He was four for 13 in the Texas series with a 307 batting average. He's he hasn't got hot yet. I mean, he's he was hot in the beginning of the first two series of the season. Yeah, I mean, that, but, that opening series, he was great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was going against um, the Angels and then a little bit at Seattle. But, you know, after that, he kind of caught code and and we're we're just seeing the code breakman right now. But hopefully that game yesterday with his offensive, you know, he hit a hard line drive, double down the line. Like I said, hit a hard line drive to right field. I mean, we talked about this kid's discipline. I mean, he's one of the best. You get a Michael Brantley being the best disciplined lefty, and then you got following with Alex Bregman being a best, like, hitting disciplined player on the right side. So um, I know there's some people out there, you know, panicking and, you know, concerned about Alex Bregman's potential and future being with the Astros, but I'm not panicking at all. This kid no. knows what he's done. He's been to the College World Series. He's been to the World Series. He's he's seen it all. It's just one of these things that baseball players go through, and it's called a slump. So yeah. hopefully, you know, we'll get to see him, you know, fix it up. And, you know, hopefully from that game yesterday, he'll be able to get his offensive production going. Yeah, for sure. And I have some stats about that we'll get to during Astros Roundup, but not a whole lot to be, to be stressed about. What is – What's something you need to see in this Cleveland series? Man. I mean, we're we're talking about it pitching dominating through that 11 or 12 game winning streak that we had. Ever since that, our bullpen has not been it's a dominating self. I'm going to throw some stats out here of course later. Hector Neris, you know, he he his last two or three games, he's kind of got hit a little bit and getting, giving some runs up and everything like that. But we need to see that Hector Neris being in that setup and closer role. When Presley was out, he was obviously the closer for the Astros, and he was just lights out. I mean, people couldn't hit him. So now Presley's back. we got to see him dominating that setup, man. Now he He has to give us a clean eight inning. Then when Presley comes in for the ninth, he's good. Uh, But – Overall, his last three games of three innings pitch, five hits, four earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. Um, just not really concerned about him that much. Like I said, we just need to see the consistency from him and be able to see that knockout duel that we had in 2019 when we had Ryan Presley and then Roberto Osuna, you know, close it out. And, you know, we got a great setup and closing one-two punch in the 22 season. But um, bullpen itself, I want to talk about a little bit more. Maton. His last 44 outings, which was against Washington, Boston, and Texas. Uh, he's went four, two-thirds of innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. 
uh, same thing as Blake Tater. His last four outings from them, three series was a three and a third, five hits, five earned runs, three walks, and three strikeouts. So, I mean, Blake Taylor's our only lefty in that bullpen. We, yeah. we, we don't have Mashinsky to be in there because he's in Sugarland right now. So, um, Blake Taylor got to hold it down. And we've talked about it before, too. Maybe James Click goes out there and go gets a lefty um, a reliever. We, we just don't know what he's going to do yet. But overall, bullpen, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we need to kind of get back into that dominating role. Um, Ryan Stanek's been amazing, and same thing as Rafael Montero. Rafael Montero gave up uh, two runs. I mean, it wasn't earned, obviously, because it was an error. So I'm not worried about them two guys. But um, what do you need to see? You know, I've talked about the pitching of the bullpen. What do you need to see, you know, coming into this series? Uh, what I need to see, and I'm going to kind of sound like a, like a uh, broken drum here, but I need to see us take care of business. I, the Astros so far this season are 16 and seven against teams that are less than 500. We need to see that continue. We talked about the last two episodes, and I don't want, I don't want to go all the way down that trail again, but we've got an opportunity over this next month to take advantage of some not great teams. And I, I want to keep doing that. I think part of that is all the things that you said that you want and you need to see, you know, getting that production up and down the lineup, especially from Bregman and Kyle Tucker is another guy who's not been slumping, but he's had a quieter run here recently. Um, And just Mm -hmm. seeing those guys take care of business, take care of the ball in the infield is something I need to see. Uh, I feel like we've had a lot of errors over the last 10 or so games and just kind of taking care of all that stuff doing the little things right. That's what I need to see. Do the little things right, win the series, keep rolling. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's one thing that we just need to continue. Like you said, we got a great opportunity, you know, for this last this last month that we have. Um, we could go over and take that, you know, deeper role into the AOS, having a big yeah. lead on the Angels and then taking a big lead on the you know, the whole uh, AL itself. I mean, the New York Yankees, you know, they're going to play. They, I mean, they got good con- competition over there in their division. The only yeah. competition they don't have is the Baltimore Orioles, obviously. Well, uh, dude, honestly, the Orioles are not bad. Yeah, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not bad, but they're the last place team of their division. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying that, Um, you know, but Boston's starting to heat up. Toronto is going to be Toronto, I believe. I still just don't understand how Tampa Bay is in that second, you know, spot in the division. I don't get it. (laughs) I don't either. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, Toronto is stacked and Tampa Bay is up on them by two, two games. But, um, yeah, I mean, we have a great, great chance of taking that um, the AL and being able to get that number one seed like we've always done throughout these years of this dynasty. So, um, yeah. And, you know, going into don't want to see. I've talked about it on my need to see that I need to see the pitching, the bullpen, you know, step up. I don't want to see no type of pitching struggles. I don't want us to go down instead of going up. So yep. um, we, we got to see that coming into this series. And then another thing too, losing to the worst MLB name in baseball history, the <laughs> Cleveland guardians. I mean, I would hate to lose a series against the guardians. I, I mean, I just hate that name so damn much. I wish they would have just stayed with the Cleveland Indians, but you know, MLB is going to be MLB. And um, yeah, I mean, what I'm, what's your take on, you don't want to see. Uh, honestly, not to you know, beat a dead horse here, but I don't want to see the bullpen struggles continue. I know you already kind of talked about that at length, but it's been a little hairy in those late innings lately. Like you said, especially with, with Maton and Taylor and just seeing those guys, especially Phil Maton. I mean, we saw this guy last year be dominant. Uh, in yeah. the postseason, and I, I want to get back to that, Phil. Uh, and I don't know, maybe he's changed something. Maybe he's got something going on. I don't know what it is, but I, I just want to see that Phil, and not the one that we've seen uh, the last couple weeks here. <clears throat> but anyway, that's our series coming up against the Cleveland Guardians. That is tonight, Monday night, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Ashes are going to be off Thursday with a travel day before a uh, road trip out west. But, yeah, it'll, it'll be a good series, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a great series. Like I said, just got, like you said, too, we just got to take care of business against these sub uh, 500 teams. So Absolutely. hopefully we just, we get the series win and 
get to talk about it. Absolutely. So let's move into our Astros roundup. Uh, just keep a couple of things from around the organization. And I want to start off with, and I, you've already mentioned this, was Alex Bregman. If you're on Astros Twitter, this weekend was dominated by a lot of conversation about Bregman. A lot of people mm-hmm. saying we should have traded him when you know his stock was high. After the 2019 season, we should have done this, should have done that, could have, would have, whatever. Um, folks, let me tell you something. Alex Bregman has the potential to be one of the all-time greatest hitters in the Houston Astros uniform. Alex Bregman was almost an MVP candidate just three years ago. Yeah, should he have, had a, actually. He, yeah, should have been the should have been an MVP. Yeah, he had a rough 2020, but guess what? So did half the league. You had a you had mm-hmm. a, a ton of guys who had their career worst years in the in the COVID shortened year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, last year not his best year. He was hurt. He was playing hurt half the season with his hand. And yeah, no, no, me wrong. I was one of the ones that was you know complaining during the World Series until we found out what was going on here. Exactly. This guy. It's going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm wrong here. I could be. But I don't think I am. Let's got a couple stats here. Over his career, Alex Bregman's worst months have come at the beginning of the season. In his career, I'm just going to go with batting average. In his career, in April and March, he hits 263. In May, 266. He turns it on over the summer. His best month is August. In the month of August in his career, he hits 333 with an OPS of 979. He gets better throughout the season. We have evidence. We have a body of work that says Bregman starts slow and works his way up. He's going to be just fine. So for everybody that's bitching and moaning about Alex Bregman, Stop. He's going to get it together. He's fine. It, and, it's, and people are acting like people are acting like Bregman is sitting there with a 184 average, you know, mm-hmm. and he's not. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be like Cody Bellinger. I mean, Cody, yeah. like you said, the whole 2020 season, everybody was struggling. Big superstars. And of course, they're going to, you know, give us shit about, oh, it's the scandal. They don't have the trash cans. That's why their batting average is low. Nah, screw that shit. No, because Cody Bellinger had a shit year. I mean, he's still not doing good right now in this, you know, 22 season. He's been Christian better, Ye- but still not good. Yeah, it's still not the best. Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich was one of them other players in 2022. Um, Jose Altuve, too, wasn't even doing. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of players in the league of superstars that were struggling. Yeah. And, you know, like you're saying, Alex Breck, 2019. This man should have been the MVP. Mike Trout got hurt in like, I want to say August. Yeah. And he was shut down for the whole season. That's when Bregman turned it up and could have, should have won the MVP of 2019. But of course, MLB writers in LA love the Anaheim Angels for some fucking reason. But um, yeah, just like what you're saying, he he heats up in in like the ending of the season. And I want to tell y'all all too, Astros, have always been like this. The Houston Astros have always been like that. They've had a slow start in the beginning of the year of the season and then find their groove when it comes to the summertime. So, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. You know, after Twitter, we just got to relax on this, man. We know Alex Bregman, you know, just get some Bregman, some Breggy bomb. Um, he also has some barbecue kind of um, sauce out there too, seasoning as well. Yeah. Go get you some of that to relax you off and cool you hey. down. Side note, side note for the Astros roundup. If you guys did not see the newest line of HEB commercials featuring our beloved Houston Astros, they're fantastic. The, fir- the first one I saw was, uh, it was it's Bregman, Pena, and Altuve, and they're, Pena parks his car in front of Bregman's house. It's <laughs> fantastic. But the McCullers one, the Salsa Night one, Salsa great. Night. Salsa Night. <laughs> that, that one's so funny dude that's probably my favorite one i think that's yeah. been the favorite one ever since it's been a while i mean you know we had korean springer and all them too you know i think that one probably is one of my favorites being from the time that springer you know you remember when they were on a jet ski and now tube was dreaming yeah. about like the four of them being on you know <laughs> all that stuff for best of friends and everything i mean this one sauce nine i mean that one was a great one but yeah uh, yeah no, that was a great good. Great, great little H-E-B commercials always. <laughs> For sure. 
anyway, and then moving on, it was nice seeing Jake Odorizzi before the game Friday night throwing on flat ground, no boot on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see our good old friend Jake from State Farm, but, of course, we got Jake Myers, so Rake uh, – you know, Jake from Rake Myers. I don't know, whatever you want to call them. Uh, hold Jake on, Myers, hold but... on. Don't, don't, don't disrespect Jake Marisnik like that. Oh yeah, there don't it is. That's, other, that's the other one I was Jake thinking Marisnik. of. I was like, I knew we had another Jake somewhere, but uh, yeah, that I mean, is, it was great. That's 2017 World Series champion Jake, Jake Marisnik, Marisnik to you. <laughs> I mean, Jake Marisnik is one of the great guys, but um, yeah, it was great to see him not have a, a boot on and everything. Um, you know, James Click had an interview with the media about him throwing a flat ground for three consecutive days. And uh, he quoted that Jake's feeling really good. Still working on making sure all the soreness is gone from the tendons down there in his leg. Um, no timeline is available yet, but it's going to, hopefully they're thinking it's going to be very short. So um, yeah. it would be, I mean, it was just, you know, last episode that we had said, it was a great, you know, news and a sign from God that we wanted to see Jake go to Rizzi and, see him continue to dominate this season so um i mean i mean it's great great news from that also you know injury update as well with our beloved lmj lance mccullers jr uh he threw 10 pitches from the mound sunday a foot or two in front of the rubber as well mixing it up too i mean that was crazy i thought you know for me i would have thought it would just been in just straight up fastballs fastballs but he mixed it up with some off speed and you know, of course, the heaters as well. The velocity is around 80 miles per hour. So it's a, it's a big milestone for this guy to continue to rehab. And it's a great sign to see for us Astros fans. Yeah, and I, I still think – I think you've seen that, the timetable that we've been talking about and having him come back around the All-Star game, that, that still seems to be in play and could make a huge difference uh, going into the stretch for the Astros. Definitely, and that's what we really need um, – you know, especially with Justin Verlander holding in that one position, then having Lance McCullers, a fully healthy Lance McCullers for that second, you know, start. I mean, it's going to be great to see. Dusty has even said it himself. He'd rather have, you know, a healthy Lance than a, you know, semi fully healthy Lance. So yeah. being able to McCullers to continue to rehab, you know, correctly, that's where we want to go into that direction. Absolutely. Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on at Astros Roundup, Justin Verlander. We talked about him, age, Kate Upton, all that. He has a 6-1 record, 1.22 ERA, leads MLB, MLB. It wins, ERA, whip with the 0.72, opponent's batting average, 0.161, and opponent OPS, 0.441. The Incredible. question is... The question is, though, he has a player option for next year, for the next season. Do you think he tests his free agency and try to get a deal like Max Scherzer did with the New York Mets? Man, I don't know. I think, for one, I as of right now, Justin Verlander is the odds-on favorite for the American League Cy Young. I, myself, next week I'll be traveling – and I, I'm going to place a bet for Justin Verlander win the AL Cy Young. I hope, I hope that sticks. But, uh, man, that's a great question. I mean, obviously, we were all excited. I remember I was I was really driving and just don't, you know, don't text and drive kids. But I was literally driving and, like, refreshing <laughs> Twitter. I was like, oh, my – like, as the clock was ticking down for players to accept their qualifying offers and Verlander still hadn't accepted it, and then, boom, and denied it. And I was like, damn. And then, boom, two seconds later, he signs his, this two-year contract with the Astros. Um, I think to me, the fact that he even did that shows that he has a pat. I mean, he could have tested the waters this year. He could have. Mm-hmm. He looked good at that workout that he did in Florida. That, you know that he that he had in January, wherever it was. Um, or sorry, in the fall, whatever. Um, he could have. He didn't. He stayed here. Granted, I think that after he wins the American League Cy Young this year, there's going to be a lot of suitors that come calling for Justin Verlander, uh, making big money offers. But I think the Astros have every reason to be right up there in the mix with the rest of them. Justin Verlander is not going to be signing a four or five year long contract. 
Definitely. More than like, more than likely, we're gonna be he's gonna be looking for a similar contract to the one he has right now. That's a play a two year contract with a one year player option, whatever you know, with some uh, contingencies in there. Assuming that the Astros don't sign a guy this season that's gonna demand a lot of money, we're gonna have some money to play with going into this offseason again. And so I think that there's no reason that the Astros won't be. At the bargaining table, and I mean, by having him, we'll have access to make the first offer. Uh, and I think at the very least, the Astros will be competitive in it if he wants to test free agency. But I, I think he stays here. I think he's an Astro for the rest of his career. I think if he wanted to go back on a retirement tour to, to Detroit, he could have done that this year. He didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he would go back next year. Detroit's not going to pay him a ton of money to come back next year. I, I, I like his odds of staying as, as an Astro. Man, I'm just going to read you a couple, you know, the free agents for next year. And it's a great, a great starting pitching market for the next, you know, for next year's free agency. So I'm just going to throw a couple names out there. Obviously, Trevor Bauer being the shitty person that he is, he ain't going to be in Houston for, you know, I don't think he'll be in Houston. Dare yeah. Price, he's old. Chris Dell has had injury prone. Jacob DeGrom is going to be a big one. He is a, has a player option with uh, the Mets. Uh, Carlos Rodon as well has a player option with the Giants. Uh, Senegar with the Angels, free agent Charlie Morin being up in age at 38, but still freaking dominating like he is. Um, you know he'll be a free agent. Adam Wainwright, I think, is going to retire. Uh, these boys yeah. in St. Louis is having the last dance, but in MLB terms. Um, Nathan Uvalde playing Kershaw, Aaron Nola is one of a big one too, but yep. he's under club option, Sonny Gray, Shamanaya, uh, Chris Bassett, our boy Joe Musgrove could come back home maybe. I mean, the free agency market for the starting pitchers next year, is it's it's looking really great. And if JV does decide to leave, which, I, you know, we, us Astro fans, hopefully he doesn't. Um, I mean, we got a great – I just read a couple of these guys' names that are really great pitchers. Yeah. And we've seen Lance McCullers could take over that ace role as he did last year in the 21 season. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of them mixed emotions right there. You want yeah. Justin Verlander to stay because, I mean, he's been with us since 17. I mean, he played a good, great career with Detroit, never won a World Series, came to Houston, won the World Series. Uh, it was just like our debate, too, if who is he going to retire as? Is he going to retire as an Astro? Is he going to retire as a Tiger? Um, it's just one of them things you don't want to see Justin Verlander being in a different uniform. And it's like that for us seeing Carlos Correa, George Springer. It's, I, I, I believe so too. I think he's going to stay as a Houston Astro, but I, I, there's just another part of me that believes that he might leave if he wins another Cy Young. Yeah. Again, we'll see, but at the, at the upside too, is that we got a kid in Sugarland who is Justin Verlander 2.0? Definitely, definitely. You know, assuming right. we don't, tra- assuming we don't trade Hunter Brown away, I mean, he, God, I mean that that's lofty expectations to put on a kid, but man, he looks like he's got the stuff to be a bad, bad dude. Yeah, it could be like, um, like well, everybody was talking about Carlos Correa and uh, Jeremy Pena. Yeah, um, I'm gonna be one of the guys too to admit. I mean, I wanted Correa to stay. I wanted them to pay that big money because you're not gonna see another arm that throws like that ever. Like that guy throws yeah. 90 plus across the diamond. I don't think there's another shortstop that could do that. Besides, uh, I think Fernando Tatis can actually. But um, you know, being able to fill big shoes, and obviously Jeremy Pena has to fill these big shoes coming in to the MLB, and he has done so so far i mean this kid has been doing great and like i say he's going to be my dark horse to be in the mlb all-star game so um yeah and hunter brown could do the same thing he could justin verlander leaves bam hunter brown comes in and just does maybe what Pena does right now so it's yeah. going to be interesting what we get what we, we'll see you know coming down the stretch and you know in the season Absolutely. So with that being said, let's go ahead and send it around the league. And one of the biggest pieces of news from the National League this week was Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer adding on to the pile of injured Mets pitchers. And we we talked about this briefly uh, the other night 
on our last episode, but it's now confirmed. He's looking at six to eight weeks off. Uh, MRI came back moderate to high grade internal oblique strain. And man, if you're the Mets, you just got to be feeling bad right now, man. I know. And they were one of the hottest teams, man. They're just winning every game and they're, you know, MLB in the media. That's uh, who's going to be the king of the uh, New York, basically, which team is going to be up there. And, you know, obviously the ground was gone in the beginning. Then McGill had got hurt. And now you're adding Mac Scherzer. The yeah. only pitcher that right now that's pretty good in that starting rotation is Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett has been holding it down for them. Well, and, uh, and Carlos Carrasco. Carrasco. Yep, I was going to say that fine. right now, too. I, I forgot about him. Um, they got Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker did really good for them last year. And then you got, you know, another option in Trevor Williams, which he was a great pitcher in Pittsburgh at a time. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be crazy how you're going to fill them shoes. I'm, you know, the Mets are going to have to be off with him for two months at least. I would think more than two months just to get him, you know, healthy for the all-star break after the all-star yeah. break. Yeah. But uh, it's hard to see that, man. It is, you know, for, I mean, Max is one of those guys where you either love him or you hate him kind of type, you know, Um mm-hmm. We'll see how that develops, but the Mets right now are sitting. They have an eight-game lead in the NL East, and the NL East is really not that strong this year. Um, I know, you know, obviously the Braves coming off the World Series last year, and I think a lot of people were expecting the Phillies to take a step forward this year, and they haven't quite done that yet. I mean, they're dealing with some injuries right now. Bryce Harper's hurt. Kyle Schwarber has not been very good uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, but I mean, you know, they're still there. But the, the Mets are six and four over their last ten. But they just got to keep the ship right until they can get some of these guys back. Yeah, definitely. But um, you know, we we're talking about a veteran. Let's talk about an upcoming rising star, maybe in the yeah. future of this MLB. Uh, Ali Rutschman making his MLB debut Saturday, May twenty first. The number one prospect in MLB pipeline and in the Orioles farm system in Baltimore has finally got the call-up to play and start at the catching position for the Baltimore Orioles. It was a great thing to see for this young man. I mean, I remember him playing at Oregon State. I mean, he was a freaking dominating hitting machine. And you don't see that in catchers that much. You know, you see, you know, from past back then, you had Gary Carter, you had um, Pudge Rodriguez, um, and other catchers out there that could hit. And, you know, he had a lot of potential coming into the MLB and, draft and everything like that and and it was just a beautiful sign just to see um him getting off into the dugout and coming on and then just turning to the crowd and just just reeling it in just being able to like feel his emotions you could see him he wanted to tear up and everything like that but just to you know get everything in you know feel that excitement from an actual major league ballpark compared to the minor league field but um first mlb hit I bet no one would have guessed it a triple to right field and um, finished that day with one for three. Didn't do bad, but um, went on with the series two for a, with a run in the Tampa Bay series. So, I mean, this kid has a bright future, you know, it's another rising star coming up. You know, we had Bobby Witt jr. Hunter green being able to come in with the reds. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a bright future for this young kid. I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's easy to see the hype around him. I mean, he was, part of that Oregon state team that won the college world series in 2000, 2018, 2019 mm-hmm. um, and working his way up. And he's just, yeah, that, that the, the clip of him coming out onto the field for his debut and shaking hands with the umpire. That was really, really cool. Um, and you know, the shots, his parents in the stands watching him make that hit. Uh, he, he's a, you know, all right. You always got to love a rookie coming on like that, you know? Yeah, I mean you you can't you can't say nothing about that honestly. I mean, no. rookies are just trying to make a good impression and try to you know fill a hole in the team's you know system. And you know with the Detroit and with the Baltimore Oriole organization and even us Astros. I mean, we went through that seeing George Springer call yeah. up, Carlos Correa call up. I mean, we're all excited. So for the you know it's gonna be it's gonna have a bright future for the Orioles. You know they haven't been to the playoffs. I believe since 2013 2014 2012 one of them years i i can't remember but of course it was when adam jones and manny machado and them were yeah you know in it and um yeah i mean it was a great it was a great thing to see for baseball perspective 
Yeah, well, you know, what, what, what was not a great thing to see from the baseball perspective was the series with the White Sox versus the Yankees this weekend. Uh, it was an ugly series start to finish, had a couple of testy issues, uh, but really came to a head on Saturday, benches clearing as a result of a uh, tense situation between uh, Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. Uh, Josh Donaldson referred to Tim Anderson and he said, hey, Jackie, uh, referring to him as you know Jackie Robinson, us being a black infielder on baseball. I don't know. It, it's been a, a bit of a can of worms. What's your take on the situation? Um, I mean, um, well, in 2019, I'm just gonna say, you know, Anderson, Tim Anderson had an interview with one of like a the least sports illustrator or even sports center, one you know, big sports or sports reporting you know media and he called himself the new jackie robinson of baseball that he was going to bring the fun back to baseball as well so i mean back in you know when donaldson was with the braves and the twins you know he had always you know had played against them obviously with the twins with the chicago white Sox in that division he you know they would joke about it and they laugh about it. he would tell them you know hey jack and stuff like that and then you know coming back into saturday you know him telling Tim Anderson, hey, Jackie, I mean, I don't know really what to say about that. Yasmani Gondog got into it with Donaldson as well to let him know his kind of piece about it. And yeah, um, I mean, well, and it's this just is also, crazy to see. Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson had a bit of an incident on Friday night as well at, at, at third base. Um, Don't push Tim Anderson off the bat. Donaldson pushed Anderson off the bag. And there's a whole dramatic situation then. I don't know. To me, it's one of those situations where – if everyone would just shut their mouth, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, Donaldson should not have made the comment. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, like regardless of what had been said in the past, like Tim Anderson has the right to be offended by whatever, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and like Liam Hendricks, I know said that Donaldson's apology, he called it bullshit. And, but at the end of the day, Tim Anderson gets the last word. Tim Anderson hit the three run home run last night, Sunday night, the finale of the series. Uh, three-run jack, silence the crowd, win the ball game for the White Sox. It's all said and done, I think, at this point. Yeah. It's ball just, don't lie. Ball exactly, don't lie. Exactly, exactly. And um, he even stated in his, you know, after the game Saturday that it was disrespectful and apparently yeah. that Anderson doesn't play like that. We know how Tim Anderson plays as well. He, you know, throws the bat, flips the bat, talks all the mess and everything like that. So, um you know, it's just one of the things that you really don't want to see in baseball, bringing, you know, racism and stuff like that. It's just that we don't want to see that. We just want to see a clean slate of baseball. Of course, the trash talking of other teams, you know, Javier Bias, I remember doing that against uh, Amir Garrett with the boat, you know, rowing the boat with his bat. I mean, it's fun when people do that. It's fun when we get to see the bat flips, the silencers of the crowd. Um, you know, all that stuff we get to see, but when it comes to, you know, talking about racism and everything that just kills to me, perspectively, it just kills the game. Yeah. And I mean, baseball is such a diverse sport. You know, we got guys, we got so many guys from so many backgrounds. Uh, it's for sure the most diverse sport in the United States. I mean, you got Koreans and, um, Japanese and Caribbean and Mexican, South American, Latin, white, black, you got all, there's such a great mix of guys playing baseball and just, Focus on the game, you know, play the play the game right, treat each other with respect, <clears throat> keep rolling. Exactly. Man. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but anyway, let's talk about their rivals, the red hot Boston Red Sox. Yeah. And these guys are on fire right now. I mean, these guys are kicking everybody's ass. Well, they kicked our ass. Apparently, you know, they won two to one, but yeah. of course we scored a lot of runs against them. But uh, Trevor's story, I mean, this guy had caught fire quick. He caught fire. Um, obviously, you know, you could send us a postcard saying, you know, saying us, sending, sending us a thank you letter at least for getting you started and getting you on fire. Um, in the Seattle series, he had five home runs at 13 RBIs. Um, Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts are going to be themselves too. They're, Franchi Cordero actually yesterday hit a walk-off grand slam. I mean, these guys right now are eight and two in their last 10 games, five games only behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And obviously, I think it's like 10 games back behind the New York Yankees. But 
I mean, we, we talked about these this team being a disappointment this year so far, and we they had a lot of potential. They like they went to go get Trevor Story. Um, they they lost Kyle Schwarber. I mean, they were this team was in the ALCS with Astros. We talked about that as yeah. well. So, um, you know, now the Red Sox are kind of getting a little spark and trying. You know, I believe they swept the Seattle Mariners in that series too, as well. But um, yeah, man, these Red Sox—they're they're starting to find it. They're starting to find their groove. They are. They are for sure. All right, we'll wrap it up with the St. Louis Cardinals, who I feel like are kind of man. They don't. Don't you feel like the Cardinals have been this very quiet team the last few years? You know, I honestly like they feel they, like they're so underlooked, dude. They are, and I mean, they've not been playing bad. It's not like they've been bottom feeders. I mean, they, they went through a run there, obviously, where the Cubs were controlling the NL Central. But, I mean, the Cardinals have been right there. Yeah, and it's always because of this, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers just, you know, silencing everybody up. I mean, I mean, yeah. the Brew Crew is a really great team, too. I mean, they, are. they went to go get a Willie Adamas. Um, they had three starters of the five-man rotation, uh, Willie Peralta, Corbin Burns, and Brandon Woodruff. I mean, they still got that rotation. Sadly, Yesterday, um, Willie Peralta got hurt. Or not Willie, Freddie. I keep thinking Willie for some reason. But Freddie Peralta got hurt. So they're going to be down with him for a couple, you know, games. But the Brew Crew has always went over through them. We know St. Louis, you know, from our days being in the NL. And then they caught that stretch of the 2010s with, you know, David Freeze being the MVP of that series when the Texas Rangers had a 3-2 lead. And I will never forget uh-huh. this. Freaking David Freeze hits a triple off the wall when Nelson Cruz didn't even have to jump for the freaking ball. I mean, that was one of the best games, too, to see. And Lance Bergman even won a ring that year. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, King. you know, talk. yes, King, King Puma. Anyway, talking about the Redbirds, Albert Pujols, that man is the machine. And I'm tired of people saying DJ LeMahieu is a machine. Give that man his name back. That man is is Albert Pujols. It is not DJ LeMahieu. It is Albert Pujols. People shouldn't be saying, oh, the machine, DJ LeMahieu. No, bullshit. Albert Pujols has always Pujols. done that and always been that guy. He even has a freaking commercial with ESPN and SportsCenter being the machine and shit like that. So that man deserves his credit. Anyway, um, 683 home runs in his career. He'd hit two yesterday and... He, I mean, he's getting close to 700, 17 more, 17 more until he gets to 700 home runs. Um, you think he could do it? He he said he's going to hang the cleats Ugh. up this year too as yeah. well. Man, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you got to assume that he stays healthy for the remainder of this season, which remains to be seen. I mean, uh, he's proved to be more, you know, sturdy than I think most would give him credit for. Uh, 17 home runs. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's likely, but I think it's definitely possible. I don't know. I don't really want to commit one way or the other, but I can see it. I could see it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think so too. I wish he would because Hank Aaron's is 705. I want to Oof. correct if I'm correct. I think it's higher right. than that, isn't it? Is it? No, but Bonds is seven. He, he passed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I just can't think of it at the top of my head. Uh, I think he could catch 700, and it'd be Hank, Hank, Aaron, feel, is, Hank Aaron is 755. Seven, oh, I thought 705 for some reason. Who has 705? Is it Babe Ruth? I thought somebody Babe had Ruth 705. Is, Babe Ruth is 714. Hank Aaron 755. Barry Bonds 762. But here's a here's an even better one is that Albert Pujols is only 13 home runs away from – or 14 home runs away from passing A-Rod and taking home fourth place on the all-time uh, home run record. Yeah, that's a cheating scumbag, Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> so not even give me to start with him. Pujols, I don't think Pujols did PEDs, but if he did, I'm going to have to take my statement back about A-Rod. But the biggest story of them all, Yadier Molina being the – all time one of the greatest catchers in MLB history coming in to finish the ninth inning. I mean, you'd love to see it. We saw Albert Pujols did the other, you know, I, well, it was just last week. I want to say too, that Albert Pujols came in and finished it off against um, the giants. And then now we get to yeah. see Yadier Molina do this. And, you know, of course 
we were talking about the last dance for these guys, Adam Wainwright, uh, Yadier Molina, and Albert Pujols, their last hoorah with these Redbirds. And you're not going to see these guys ever again in a Cardinals uniform. It's, and it's kind of sad for us. It's great for us, but it's kind of like, damn, you know, I remember the memories. We used to go against these guys and all that BS. And But anyway, Yadi goes and closes out and did the same shit as our Pujols. He gave up. He went one inning pitch, four hits, four earned runs, two were home runs, and a 36.00 ERA. So, I mean, I think that was the same stat line as yeah, our the exact, did. I think it's the exact exactly. stat line. So it's definitely biggest... the same ERA. So I think I think what yeah, you gotta know... do is you both have to give them a start, maybe against the Reds. <laughs> you know, next time the Reds come to town, have Yadi start one game and yet let Pool start the other and just see who's really the better pitcher. Exactly. And as I was gonna come up to my question, who are you taking? Since these guys have given up four runs each, who are you taking to be your pitcher? with a five or six run lead you know at the end of the day you got both <laughs> these guys i don't trust either one of them that much but albert pools is one of the greatest baseball players of all time i mean objectively let's take away the pain he's caused our franchise and our childhoods um he's one of the greatest of all time i'm taking Pujols. i don't know i gotta go get i gotta give yachty his credit baby i he, he knows and knows how to pitch against different hitters. He's one of the, like I said, one of the best catchers in our game and even in the MLB, you know, history. So I mean, he knows how to attack these opposing hitters. So imagine him, a catcher being on the mound. He's like, all right, I know what this guy can hit. I know what's his weakness and everything like that. So let me throw him this. Let me throw him that. I mean, I, I got to go with Yachty on this one, man. All right. Well, we'll see how it comes <laughs> down. Shoot, maybe we'll see Adam Wainwright or Albert Pujols dressed up in gear, you know, next game, whenever they have like a 19 or 20 run lead. Yeah, guess we'll see. All right, well, thank you guys for joining the show today. We uh, obviously are always, always glad to have you. Please make sure you like, share, give us a follow and a review on whatever platform you use and tell your friends about us. We're having a good show here. We want to get everybody in on this, all of our Astros fans. You have anything else you want to wrap up with, Lorenzo? Let's go get a serious win against these the one of the worst MLB names in MLB history, the Guardians, and yeah. we get to see our good old buddy Miles Straw back. So I mean, that's yeah, a great. That's our that's our upside upside. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see y'all at the end of this conclusion. Again, the Astros have an off day Thursday, uh, so expect that episode to drop probably Friday morning, maybe Thursday morning. We'll see. Stay tuned to Full Seam Ahead on Twitter. We'll let you know. But thanks, guys. How are you doing, guys?